The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. That's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. I imagine that is a very familiar passage for, for us here at Downtown Church. It's good to be with you all again. I always love to be here. This is home. And so I just want to say thank you guys for all of your support and prayers for Ashley as I, as we are expecting a little one on the way and as we are expecting a church on the way. So we're, we're planting a family and a church all at the same time. But I just want to say thank you all uh, for your support. Um, let's go before our Lord in prayer and let's get into the text this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you in your mighty sons, Jesus' name. Uh, thanking you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Uh, thanking you for just all of your provisions. I even just thank you for the provision of downtown church uh, that they have been to us uh, throughout the years. And Father God, I just thank you uh, for the opportunity to be together this morning and to be in your word. I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of. It's in your mighty son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Everybody needs a hear for. A hear for. You need a hear for. I need a hear for. The kids need a hear for. Schools need a hear for. Organizations need a hear for. Churches need a hear for. Because essentially, we all need to know what we are here for. We all need a thing called purpose. Uh, we need to know that we are here for something. Without purpose, our souls absolutely dry up because we were created on purpose for purpose. Uh, when we are here for ourselves only, living for selfish ambition and the acquisition of things and achievements and titles and places, when we live for that, for, for selfish ambition, something inside of us uh, begins to die because we were created to live for something and someone so much bigger than ourselves. You alone is not enough reason for you to be alive, not even for you. So you alone, your ambitions, just yourself, you alone is not a good enough reason for you to be alive, not even for you, because somewhere inside of you, you know that you were created for something and someone greater than yourself. That's why if we set you alone on an island by yourself, you would go insane because you were created for something and someone bigger than you. Some people say that you have to hit rock bottom to discover this. I would dare say it's also possible to hit the mountaintop and discover this. This happens all of the time where people consume and consume and get and get and make themselves the center of their world only to discover that they were created for so much more. The selfishness, selfish pursuits and selfish ambitions can leave us absolutely empty and longing for purpose. Uh, the Westminster Confession puts it like this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We exist for God's glory and for his purposes. But in times such as this, 
in the world that we're living in now, in this crisis, in times such as this, it is tempting to slip out of purpose mode into survival mode. Where the only thing that matters is me, 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 and mine, 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 and my survival. Uh, businesses go into survival mode. Banks go into survival mode. And dare I say churches go into survival mode where it is tempting to show up in a community or to show up online and say, here I am, check out my church. <laughs> when the posture of our heart should be, oh, there are the people. How are we to be the church to them? Uh, if I'm a person right now in, 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 this, in this world, in this lost, dying world, in this disturbed and confused world. I'm needing the church to show up to, to, to serve me and to introduce Christ to me, not to show up and say, here we are. Check me out. Check out our church. Now they need us to show up for them. The world around us is dying and gasping for hope. The world around us is dying from a cancer called sin, and we have a vaccine called the gospel. And I'm telling you, they don't care whether or not we give it to them online or in person. If I'm a person who needs the hope of Christ, I don't care if you give me that vaccine called the gospel online or in per person, because we live in a world that is desperate for hope right now. Uh, we are not here for ourselves church. A church or a church plant, dare I say, that is not here for its community and the glory of Christ will be a church or a church plant that lacks purpose, which leads us to our first point. The local church does not exist for her own survival, but for the glory of God and the good of others. The local church does not exist for her own survival, but for the glory of God and the good of others. Businesses have to make business decisions, but the church has to make kingdom decisions. As we come to our text, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, God tells his people, he says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Uh, in isolation, this comes across uh, as a fluffy, encouraging scripture that you can put on a t-shirt, a nice graphic tee with a cool front of some kind. But in context, these words hold a lot of weight. In context, in this original context in which Jeremiah was writing to the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, these words hold immense heavy Wait, these are God's people that he is writing to. These are the people uh, that God loves. But they have been captured and held captive in Babylon. Uh, they are exiles now, and God has allowed this to happen and ordained this to happen. He, he, is, he has allowed and ordained this judgment and this discipline. And these are the people that he loves. But this is where they are at this point in history. Uh, and they're going to be there for a while. That's one of the things that uh, God wants his people to understand. They're going to be there for a while, like 70 years for 
a while. So he's telling them, don't really worry about trying to get back to normal yet. Your, your normal is gone for a while. But while you're in this city, I want you to seek the good of the city. I want you to be a blessing to the city. I don't want you to worry about going back home yet. I want you to take up residence there and be my witnesses in this place. One commentator puts it this way. He tells them uh, to think of nothing but settling there. And therefore, let them resolve to make the best of it. They must not feed themselves with hopes of a speedy return out of their captivity, for they would keep them that, that would keep them still unsettled and consequently uneasy. They would apply themselves to no business, take no comfort, but always be, t be tiring themselves and provoking their conquerors with the expectations of relief. Essentially, get comfortable. <laughs> take up residence, take up business meet some neighbors, enroll in some leagues, get used to being there. When, when God has allowed or set the conditions and circumstances of, of his people, and, we have, and when he has positioned them in a specific place, in a specific time period, no matter how challenging that place or time period might be, it is still an expectation for his people to represent him in that place and to be his witnesses in that place and to seek the good and the welfare in that place. But if that place is not comfortable and not to our liking or not to our normal, sometimes we can waste precious time worrying about when are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to get back to the way that things used to be when God has called us to be present in the moment there with the people, for the people that he has put us there with. Um, if we slow down for a moment, if we slow down for a moment and we're present in the place that he has us, we would see that there are all kind of kingdom opportunities and kingdom needs all around us. Because we might be in that place, in that time, for someone else's good and for God's glory, ultimately. As, as we think of this modern pandemic that we find ourselves in as a church, we must ask, us, ask ourselves, what has this made possible? Who might we be here for now? Instead of asking, when are, go, when are we going to return to normal? Instead of wrestling with, should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? That, that's, that, that becomes irrelevant when you think of the fact that there are people passing by you every day desperately in need of what you have to offer, which is the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is hope to, uh, to an anxious world, uh, to a world that is depleted from all of the fighting and, and violence that's going on around us. As a follower of Christ, you have something so sweet, so powerful to offer at this time. And God is still in 2020 calling his covenant people to seek the welfare of the city in which he has us. Uh, we are planting a church in the middle of this. <laughs> 
And planting a church in the middle of this can have you folding your arms and wondering when is this going to end? If I can be honest, I, I can go there. Uh, but after a while, I've begun to realize that that's neither here nor there. And the greater question becomes, who are we here for in the middle of this? God in his sovereignty has allowed these conditions. He has positioned us here in Bartlett for a reason. He has positioned downtown church in downtown Memphis for a reason. We, and we have to wrestle with the question of not when is this going to end, but who might he have us here for? Who are we here and, and also, if I can be honest, the, the temptation is to wonder, how are we going to survive? But God says, seek first my kingdom and I will take care of survival. It's always been that way. The birds of the air don't worry about survival. They just do their thing. The lilies of the field don't have a marketing strategy. They don't worry about Survival. The church doesn't have to worry or strive either. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and he promises to take care of survival. Who are we here for at this time? A couple of months ago, I was driving home and I saw two little girls riding uh, together in a power wheel toy, a little toy car. Uh, it was a little pink power wheel, and it was a little white girl and a little black girl, and they both couldn't be no more than about five or six years old. In the, and in the midst of this country's racial tension, I couldn't help but wonder, where, what church could those two little girls go to where neither one of them would have to feel out of place right here in my community. What church in my community where God has sent me and, and this church planting team, what, what church could those two little girls go to uh, and, and experience a church that looks like their relationship? But then I began to think about the fact that I'm actually having a daughter and, and I began to think about what kind of church do I want my daughter to grow up in? Uh, Bartlett is 47% white and 39% African American and really in need of a church that looks like that. Multi-ethnic church hasn't caught on with everybody yet. This isn't normal for everyone. And so in some ways we are introducing something or trying to by God's grace to introduce something new and different in this place. And we're trying to be here for people such as those two little girls who deserve a better shot and a better chance at something different. Adults, adults, can I speak to the parents, the adults, the single adults? We are shaping the future that the next generation will experience. So what are we going to leave them with? We're, we're shaping the future, they're going to have to 
pick one of the options that we have created. And so either we're going to leave them with what we inherited, which is still a country where most of the churches are divided racially, right? Or we're going to leave them with that and just tell them that that's just the way it is because we, we, we are tempted to back away from it because we don't like the music or because someone said something. But God in his kingdom, in his kingdom push, he is moving us Forward, all of history is moving forward to Revelation 7, 9, when every tribe and tongue and nation will surround the throne of Jesus. They can't help but accept this next generation. They can't help but accept and receive what we leave for them. And as we seek to plant Covenant Family Church, I just say, can't. Can we be here for them, at least, for that next generation? We're going to set the tone for them. We're going we're gonna to set the standard for what they experience, for what my daughter is going to grow up and see, and what those little girls are going to grow up and see. The local church does not exist for her own survival, but for the glory of God and the good of others. Secondly, God's church is to seek the shalom and the welfare of the city. In this text, in this text we see the term welfare used 3 times. It says for God's people, it says God's people are to seek the welfare of the city. That's the first time. Secondly, it says for in its welfare, speaking of the welfare of the city. That's the second time. And then the third it says you will find your welfare. It's interesting that he says that you will find your wel welfare Meaning that this is a pathway towards a better life for you. If you if, if the city is not thriving, that you, then you will not thrive either. Let, let's hear that. If, if the city is not thriving, then you will not thrive either. So it is to your benefit to seek the good and the welfare of the city, not to ignore its needs and challenges. Let's look a little more at this word welfare. Uh, it shows up three times and it's translated in Hebrew as Shalom. Uh, Erdman's Bible Dictionary describes Shalom as, and quote, a state of wholeness and security embracing both the physical and spiritual dimensions and relating not only to the individual but also to entire communities and relationships among persons. Peace as experienced by communities includes, hear this now, economic prosperity and political security. So if we, were to, if we were to break this down a little more, God's people are to seek the spiritual and physical well-being of the city. We are to seek the economic good and well-being of the city and the political security of the people among us physical and spiritual economic and political engagement by God's people holistic involvement in the city in which God has us at this moment this is the Bible, not social justice rhetoric, not mainstream social justice rhetoric from an article on Facebook. This is Bible. This is Bible, friends, not media. 
This is God's authoritative word, and he's calling his people to seek the shalom, the well-being, the good of the city in various sectors. God's people are to take a holistic approach, spiritual and physical, engage in the needs of the people. Who are we here for? He's not saying preach the gospel and let them figure out how they're going to get something to eat. He's not saying preach the gospel and let him figure out how to find his own lawyer, even though we know that he can't afford one. Not at all. God is calling his people to a holistic engagement. He said it, not me. Which leads to our third point. The purpose of the local church is costly. The purpose of the local church is costly. Pastor Annalee Stanley puts it like this. He says, purpose is costly because it requires me being a means to an end. But most of us just want to be the end. We don't want to be a means. See, I have to be used in order to become a means to an end. And, and that is where a purpose is found. Leaf curl disease. Uh, there's this, this, disease, this disease that plants can get called leaf curl disease. I've been spending a little more time in the garden lately, and I think I've seen a couple, a couple of my plants get this. So, yeah, I've had some challenges with this. But leaf curl disease, um, sometimes this particular leaf curl disease that I'm about to explain ends up in fruit-bearing trees. This, this, this leaf curl disease can be found in fruit-bearing trees, such as peaches or mangoes and those type of plants. Uh, but when a plant gets this leaf curl disease, it is internally uh, brought to a point of decision with the remaining energy that it possesses because it gets to the end of its life and it has a little bit of energy left and it has to decide what it's going to do with that little bit of energy. Um, it has two choices. One, it can save itself with that little bit of energy, but if it saves itself, uh, that that's that's it or it can die uh, it can choose to preserve its own life just for a little while with that little bit of energy and let itself live but but, but by preserving itself and let it letting itself live a little bit longer it will no longer produce any fruit it will cease to be a fruit bearing tree so it, it, it can use that last bit of energy just to stay alive uh, and to preserve itself, but it will cease to be a fruit-bearing tree. Or it can use that last of its energy to produce a harvest of fruit, but in doing so, it chooses to die. In the second choice, it puts the old self to death so that it can produce fruit and give off life to others. It, it continues with purpose in the second option. In the life of a Christian, we are also brought to a point of decision every day. Each day we have to decide to choose ourselves and our selfish ambitions or to die to ourselves and bear fruit so that we can give off life to others. And this is where purpose becomes 
costly. This is where we choose to become a means to an end, just like that plant that can choose to save itself and no longer bear fruit. Uh, we have to choose whether or not to do that or to die to ourselves and produce fruit that others can experience. As we look at Jeremiah and the people held captive in Babylon, they were a means to an end. God says in this text, he says, pray to the Lord, hear this now, on its behalf. Not on your behalf. I know you think you're the one with the challenge because you're held captive. But, it, but he said, pray to the Lord on its behalf. Talking about this city, this city full of people who don't look like them, think like them, or talk like them, or believe like them. He, he, is, telling them to, he is telling his people to be his witnesses and to pray for these people. Purpose is costly. Purpose is costly. I want to thank Downtown Church for being a means to an end and making a costly investment into the lives of Ashley and I over the course of the last four years. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your kind words written and spoken. Thank you for a community group and men's group. Uh, thank you for offering Ashley and I both a place on staff here. Uh, thank you for walking with us through difficult moments because God knows we have had a few in, the, in these last four years. Uh, thank you for modeling for us what it means to be a church that does not exist for itself. Uh, as we continue in Bartlett, we're seeking the welfare of the city in a time of great uncertainty. And so pray for the Lord to continue to give us eyes for his kingdom and for his people and for kingdom opportunities. Hugo uh, is, a, is a member of the launch team and he is providing leadership for our local missions effort. So if you can be praying for him, he's, he's helping us think about ways that we can partner and intentional uh, ways in our community. So he will be helping us think about that question. Who are we here for? Uh, pray for our little one on the way. She is doing well. She's growing big and we just, we're just so thankful. Uh, we're so thankful and we really want to say thank you to you for praying so often uh, for us and we're, we're so grateful that God is adding to our family in this season. Um, the vision statement for Covenant Family Church is this, is to see a community thriving through its people flourishing. That's our vision statement, to see a community thriving through its people flourishing. We want to see our community thrive. We want to see people flourish. We want to see people come to Christ. We want to see reconciliation happen. We want to see like examples of those two little girls. We want to see examples of relationships like that being able to flourish and grow inside of our church. So please keep keep praying for us in that. Uh, thank you for being here for us. Now we're trying to be there for a new community. And we just want to thank you for your investment. We need your prayers and we need your support. And we know that you're here for us. As we close, praise God 
that a servant was sent here for us. A servant called Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that he was sent here for us. He modeled what it meant to be selfless. He modeled sacrifice and he gave himself for us because he loves us when he died on that cross and resurrected from the dead, defeating our enemies. Thank God for him. And so we go forward in his power and in his strength. And, and I encourage down church, downtown church to keep going forward in his power and in his strength and know that as you're trying to be there for this dying world around us and for the needy around you, God is there for you. He, he always has been. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for being here for us. For you hold us in your hands. And in seasons such as this, where there's so much going on, God, help us to be kingdom people who are seeking your kingdom and your glory in your name, not merely our own survival. You see, in mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.